Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have a Q&A styled episode and it's been a little while actually. It has been a while, but you know, we've got some really good questions that we want to go over today. And it's really great when we get some um, different ones about nutrition, training, life and everything yep. else in between. Yeah, we get a lot. Um, but yes, a lot has been happening for both of us. We're kind of all over the place, aren't we? I know. Tell us what's been happening <laughs> yes. in your corner of the new state. I know. Well, it kind of feels like I'm doing the exact same thing, but just different locations. Like I've gotten Mm. in straight into work, uh, the beauty of working online, I suppose, which is great, Um, but just different people around me and all of that and settling in nicely. I actually really love Sydney. It's Mm. so cool. We went down to um, Coogee Beach and and got to sort of immerse myself amongst all that because there's no way I'm not going to go to the beach if I've made all the effort to come up to Sydney. Um, But Mm. then, yeah, Monday hits straight into work but it's Mm. been really cool really does it feel real yet like you know when you move to a new place and it takes you a while and all of a sudden like you're waking up in the middle of the night going to the wrong room for the wrong toilet oh yeah I've walked into walls and stuff you know you do that you'd still think you're in your own bed and then it's like douche all Um, the time but I still have that weird feeling of I have to say goodbye like to my Mm. partner and to people like like when's that time that I have to go to the airport and and leave like I still it does not feel real but it was an emotional day on Saturday. I mean, for everyone, like everyone held it together pretty well. Cause I had my last little family thing, which it's so weird though. I saw my family more in the last month than I have like in the whole year. You know how yeah. like people recognize that you're going somewhere. So it's yeah. like, Oh, I better catch up now. Um, mm. Which yeah, everyone held it together. But then, and at the end, you know, tears galore of as course. there was, um, yeah. It is what it is. I'd be worried if there were no tears. I'd be like, guys, what cry, please? What's wrong with yeah. you? Um, but then as soon as I was on, <laughs> as soon as I was on the aeroplane, I'm like, shit, yeah, this is it. But that's an emotional yeah. thing in itself. Yeah. Like I've visualized this lifestyle for so long and it scares me that it's happened. It yeah. scares me like how much you can shape your whole life. Oh, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I, I know, like you've been talking about it for years, mm. even since we first met, like living in Sydney and, and mm. everything that would take you there and the work and everything and what it looks like. And it really yeah. does. I've got goosebumps as you say that, because mm. I know what it feels like to move away from home. Yeah. And I guess you've always lived in Melbourne, right? Quite close to family and friends. So oh, yeah. Um, it's 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 a big thing and I remember when I moved away um like moving to the sort of city and now your family and friends just aren't at your doorstep and Mm. it does make you really appreciate like when you go home and you do get to spend that time with family and friends because yeah I guess you spend like 18 years or however long like with like your your parents and like mm. so, being so close to you and then you go away and you go off to uni and you go off to work and then all of a sudden it's just like it's weeks and months between visits and it's mm. very surreal 
Yeah, well, you'd know all about that for sure. But I think it's um, we, you and I have both been the standouts out amongst our family and always doing things outside the box. And, you know, mm. Colleen, your mum's always, you know, <laughs> sliding in the DMs how proud she is of you. And, you know, my parents oh, are my always goodness. so proud. I love it. I, I love when your mum. But but sometimes you open it first, you're like, thanks, mum. I just yeah. laugh. It's so funny. I'm like, oh, these guys are so cute. Um. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what it would be like to have your kids move away and it will be bittersweet, but just to see them do what they do. Um, mm. And this was always meant to be my life. I mean, I've always wanted to travel. As soon as I became old enough to realise that you don't have to travel just once a year because we kind of only do a little Queensland holiday. You know, when your parents mm. were in charge of what you do, as soon as I became old enough to realise, hang on, I can do whatever the hell I want, mm. then it just opened up. I mean, next mm. week, next weekend, I'm in Perth. The weekend after, we're in the Gold Coast to watch the Is it next weekend, Perth. Gold Coast, or is that the weekend? Oh, after? sorry. Oh, God. This Saturday, I'm in Perth. Yeah. Next weekend, Gold Coast, then Melbourne, yeah. then back mm. into the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's just nuts, but I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's something that, um, like, the last couple of, or the last week or so, um, you know, I've been back at home and now I'm in mm. Portland where Luke grew up. And it's so weird to take work with you. It's something I've never had. And yeah. what it's a luxury to be able to do. It also has its own challenges as well and its own anxieties. And there's part of me that's like, Ugh. I just need to be in my office doing my thing, but forcing myself to do these sorts of things and take work with me. Yeah. Um, it's sort of allowed me to sort of realize how flexible this lifestyle can be mm-hmm. um, and that it is a benefit. Yeah. So this obviously, yeah, is your first time doing that. So how are you managing it amongst, you know, being there for family and obviously, well, not obviously, but I'd imagine everyone be so much slower out your way oh. and more chilled. Like how do you manage that? It is so different. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of people that grew up in the country just know how slow it is. Yeah. Like it's a very slow lifestyle. Everything's there as well. Yeah. Like you underestimate like the 20 minute drive to the gym in the city and like all those sorts of things that really do add up. Whereas mm. in the country, it's right there. You know, the food's on the table, the washing's done, like mm. everything, like time just goes so slow. Yeah. Whereas in Melbourne, it's so fast paced, right? Mm. We're always like, go, 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 go. Yeah. So like, I love being able to go home and there's just something about space, like being in the country and just it's quiet. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you can hear just birds and it's, mm. I love it because it just does allow me to really slow down. So I've been able to yeah. do that for the last week. Um, and I know how important like environment my space is mm. um, for me to feel that sort of calmness. Cause like you, like we're just so, our mind's so busy all mm. the time. So I mm. get, I crave like nature. I'm like, I, I need to be um, on my own for a little bit to like yep. declutter what's going on in my head. So it's been a really nice break because it's been a long mm. time. I think it's been like, like I haven't been home since Christmas, but even yeah. like the last 12 months, I could count on like three fingers the amount of times I've left Melbourne. Yeah, because you were you were there when we had that lockdown and you were sort of trapped, well, not trapped there, but you chose to stay there for a bit. And, yeah. you know, it wouldn't have been the same as what it's like now. Obviously, Luke's mm. with you and stuff. So, yeah, it's been um, it's been interesting, but it's good that you get to go back and visit every now and then, but then mm. pull yourself out and, and get into your hustle environment as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Should we get into it? We should. We've had our catch-up, so we'll <laughs> get into some questions. <laughs> yes. So the first one from I am Marika. 
underscore I. How to stay productive and think clearly when calories are low. Uh, mm-hmm. This is something we're going to have to. <laughs> oh, I'm dreading it. I'm dreading <laughs> cutting. Like I'm having so much fun, man, that I just, oh, I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> not ready. Nah. But it is something that we've done quite a lot. Yes. Um, and I think learning, like what we spoke about last week, managing a calorie surplus, managing a calorie deficit is very similar. It's just the opposite of the mm. skills that you need to acquire. Like yep. dieting is a skill. You learn the things that allow you to manage, whether that's calorie petitioning or, or like meal timing, for example, like you mm. learn the strategies. So thinking clearly when calories are lower uh, when you're in a calorie deficit like your cognition and your focus absolutely deteriorates towards mm. the end of a diet it's actually normal it's yep. normal to do so um so for me in terms of productivity i know that even without a calorie deficit i deteriorate throughout the course of a day yep. so like i'm super productive super um energized um in the morning, like, you know, and this is why we usually record the podcast uh, in the morning as yeah. well. Um, so I like to get all my tasks that do require a lot of mental and physical energy done first thing. And yep. it's not always practical, you know, like when I used to um, nurse and everything, there was times mm. where I'd do PM shifts and I'd have to be laser focused in the afternoon. Yep. So um, it's not always practical, but generally speaking, like I'll try and train in the morning. I'll try and yep. do coaching calls in the morning, productivity stuff in the morning. Yep. And then if there's a bit more systemized stuff where I'm like entering data in or like just responding to emails or whatever, I might save that for the back end of the day where I can be a bit more neutral and not require as much energy. Yeah, well said. And I'm 100% the same. I wake up, make sure I've had a really good, <clears throat> excuse me, a really good night's sleep because that's where you recharge and Mm re-energize, eat breakfast, and then, you know, do the tasks where you need your brain, train Mm -hmm. like you, and then slowly as the day goes on, do things that, yeah, don't require as much brain power if you have that control to manipulate your day. Mm -hmm. Um, And a big lesson for me was to not fill my plate too full. For the first few shows, oh, God, nothing changed. I just kept adding more training um, and more thoughts and things to my plate. It was too much. Mm. So the last prep, I was able to, you know, find out different ways to work, have a few less hours, spend more time in the gym doing what I needed to do for the show, and more things were directed to the show. I also stopped going out. I remember I was still going out clubbing um, for my first preps, and then I remember Mm -hmm. keeping, like, spring water tuna in the car for, like, a post-clubbing meal, draining the side of the – draining the tuna can, like, on the side um, at, like, 3 a.m., and I'm like, nah, this is just not helping. So I really learned to say no to things Mm -hmm. as well. Um, That helped. Yeah, God, I'd never do that yeah. again. Or drink, yeah. eat spring tuna again. Yeah, <laughs> not um, in an off season. It's yeah. like definitely like like tuna and spring water is oh. just a deficit food. Like yeah. no one I chooses st- that. I still eat the chili tuna. That's, yeah, that's so the Mexican one. That's great. If oh, you're being yum. But not the spring water. No. Um, but like as you were saying all that, Danny, I think it's really important to highlight that like we have a lot of control over the way we want to be able to do things for prep now. And I just Mm. remember clear cut. There was a big chunk of my preps where I had absolutely no control Mm. and there was times where I was working and I had no freaking energy and it's just, you got to suck it up. And I think as well, like it's, it's really tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, but 
I generally believe like I built so much resilience having to flog it on the ward with no energy and just mm. be like, I choose this. Yep. This is a choice. Yep. And like just taking that ownership as well over sleep, self-care, meal mm. timing, all the variables I could control and just owning it to the nth degree. Because if you're someone who um, doesn't have like as much control um, per se around the things or, you know, you're a parent, you've got other commitments yeah. um, as well, those one percenters become 10 percenters. Mm. So you're, yeah. like the time you wake up, right that might be um really like we know it's important but you might have to really laser in on your sleep and your self-care and your yep. weekend and mm. all those sorts of things to make sure that you can get the most out of the amount of hours that you do in the day as well as like giving yourself i guess the recovery and the energy that's required yeah and it can also work as a distraction i mean sometimes when i was busier I would forget how hungry I yes. was or I would oh, like yeah. if I was starving and then I knew that I wouldn't be able to eat for a couple more hours I would just go to the shops and just browse mm-hmm. like and just yeah it was that that actually was one of my biggest tricks I would literally just go to the shops and go oh what's in that yeah. shop what's in that shop and then time yeah. would go past I'm like oh sick I get to eat again mm-hmm. but I'm fucking tired but I get yeah. to eat again so distracting yourself can work too even yeah. though kind of going off topic um about productivity but yeah that, that yeah, was a, yeah. a trick that I used as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll move on yeah. to that. We'll talk one. more about that when we are cutting. Oh, um, I've already had a few messages about comp prep series. Um, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like we're not going to have to do a prep series because we're just going to be talking about it anyway. Yep. So yep. Um, even for people who don't want to hear about it, sorry. So <laughs> but it's so probably just going to come out in, I feel, the podcasts that we do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one, Laurie, Laurie B underscore Lorib. Who slacks on calves and chest more? Well, I already know I slack on calves more. Is that saying out of us two? or yeah. uh, Oh, right. Okay. Out of us. I love <laughs> benching and, you know, training chest. I don't think you bench, do you? I train um, chest. I just yep. don't do barbell work with chest. Um, yep. And I mostly do an incline for comfort. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would say, like you train chest, and I want to laugh because I'm like, is she saying we got shit calves and chest? <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> hang on a minute, hang on. Like, I think that maybe just not. because it's like a, a quote unquote male, like yeah, body part to train. Um, but I mm. still definitely train chest calves. I'm a little bit lazy on. I do do them at the end. I'm starting to put them on more at the start. Mm. Um, yeah but I slack on carbs more. Yeah. I train carbs um, mostly first because I'm mm. the same because mm. I'd get to the end. And this is like um, like exercise, like where you put exercises is actually quite important because yeah. like a lot of you put the areas, the focus points, the things that you want to prioritize at the start. So there was a good chunk where I was doing carbs as my A series. Yep. Um, and just because I would, so I'd do them because I was like, well, mm. like glutes are pretty good at the moment. Hamstrings are good. Don't need more quads. I need some fucking yeah. calves. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I really did flog calves for a long time. I did build them up a little bit and then I got sick of them. So, and now I've sort of put them back in um, at the start. And, you know, I just, I, I try to train calves sort of three times a week now yep. just yep. because 
it was annoying at the start because I was so weak. Mm. And now that I've improved my ankle mobility and the strength of my calves and I can actually see see the progress. Like, How visibly. good is it when you can oh, see that little – I noticed one. it the other day. I'm like, oh, I've got to keep going now. Yes. Yeah. I was like, Luke, 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 can you see my calves? <laughs> oh, bless. His calves in a moon boo. Don't rub it in. <laughs> I <laughs> can't see his calves. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that physical progress when you can see it is mm. motivating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't with chest as well. For me personally, I don't train it as such. I'm I I I obviously like bench, but more for functional purposes. Like I don't really mm. push to failure. Yeah. Um, it's not a muscle that I'm like trying to develop per se. I want to keep mm-hmm. it strong and keep that symmetrical balance and mostly for interior delts as well, which is why I usually yep. use climb benched. Um, so yeah, I guess it just depends. Yeah. That's, that's my sort of approach for them both. Yeah. Well, this ties into our next question about um, asking, did you have a breast augmentation? If so, how did recovery um, and post surgery affect your training so mm. yeah a lot of people have a breast or so yes Sherelle and I have um no no I did not wake <laughs> up like this um <laughs> and uh a lot of people stop training chest afterwards which is fine sometimes the surgeon advises not to um for you and I obviously we got back into every single movement pattern uh, when the time was right so it was a lot of close grip work for a lot of months um, and then we added in the wide grip stuff but Mm. I mean yeah you just sort of ease things back into it start training legs first and then go to upper body but now there's nothing I don't do Um, Mm. yeah it's or some movements like uh, dumbbell flies or then cable flies feels a bit weird because it Mm. separates them to the side a bit so I wouldn't do that fully heavy um, but everything else is fine yeah Mm. Yeah, I think um, everything feels uncomfortable until you do it, like yep. most of the time. So it's the same with anything. If you don't train calves, it's going to feel uncomfortable when you first do it because those muscles yep. and those ranges of motions and mobility are going to be a bit compromised. Mm. Um, but it's so funny because every now and then, like, you'll, I'll get someone, like, slide the DMs and be like, hey, um, can I just ask, like, are they real? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you get new followers. Yeah. So. And I'm yeah. like, and I'm just like, no, nope. They're Have not you ever real. asked someone if their boobs are real though? Like that's a bit. Look, I'm Excuse amazed. Me. Are at your boobs real? Some people. I'm amazed at confidence in some people of the questions they ask. And what <laughs> like, would that? Like, what would that give them? Well, I, f- I get a lot of girls ask me because they're curious about where I got them done or who did oh, them. Oh yeah. Like, so that's totally fine. Um, yeah. But it's because to me, I'm like okay it's so obvious yeah it's so obvious like they're, mm. they're not real but um yeah but so they don't look got, fake I mean I hope yeah not. yours yours look like they could be real yeah but come on they you don't know really. nah. <laughs> nah, I was looking don't. at some old photos and look I was beautiful either way and I have to say that for for you know I don't know whatever but um I'm, I'm so glad I got them done yeah. Oh, me too. Me mm. too. I don't think it's bad to say that either. They gave me so much confidence. I've always mm. been um, like bottom heavy um, mm. and just to be able to match, that's all I wanted. Yeah. And I, I feel like I got like a conservative boob job. Like I could have got. Oh, I was spewing. I didn't go bigger. 
Really? Yeah. I don't know. They kind of settle when they come down from yeah. being at chin height and then come down. You're like, oh, okay. Mine took ages to come down, like yeah. 18 months. I'm yeah. kidding you not. They, and I was like, is this it? And this, because I was so, I probably had nothing. So I was like skin tight. Oh, and yeah. Like, I remember getting them done and that him saying to me, like, they will settle. They call them settling, like when they yeah. drop down a little bit. Yeah. And, Mine just didn't for so long. And I was like, oh, no. Because that was the last thing. I was like, I don't want them to look like, like bolt-ons. I don't want them to yeah. look really fake. Yeah. Um, but, and I feel like the last 12 months, and in saying that as well, like I feel like they probably look fine now on us when we mm. get leaner. And you'll notice this with a lot of Well, you can of see it in our stage photo, yeah. Yeah, you can you can they look, they look really more like fake. bolt-ons yeah they look like bolt-ons and that's yeah. just because obviously you lose like the um like breast tissue is adipose tissue and it's usually the first place to go and mm. that's usually why a lot of people that train as well get implants is because yep. you lose a lot of that breast tissue when you diet down it doesn't come back like you lose it it and doesn't then, like, come back i swear my boobs came to my stomach when i started putting weight on so i dieted down they disappeared I put weight back on, nothing came back to the chest, just to my stomach. I was yeah. like, great. I don't thanks. know what it is, but I've noticed that too. Like, mm. and you see that in a lot of people, the breast tissue just doesn't come back on. Mm. Um, so that's usually why a lot of people um, do get them. But, you know, that conversation that you said, Danny, like, I wish I got them bigger, that is a very common thing to say. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because it's the same as lip filler, right? Like, you yeah, get all tattoos. Bit- a little, bit, a little bit more and yeah. it, is it just that that sensitizing sort of like you get used to the size or yeah you, think- you get used to it I think yeah for but me you always I want to be conservative right you couldn't have it any bigger what, how many cc's did you get god I, something like 360 I'm pretty that rings a bell but I've forgotten that's how bloody casual I was with my appointment I've forgotten how big they are <laughs> I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you I've got I got 375 high profile CC subpectoral. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> I still remember. Life, uh, that's yeah. how many people ask me. I just tell people what I got. Yeah, but I remember. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Implant, just type it in, come yeah. up. Um, but yeah, I remember because you know how you try them on? Did you get to try them on? You try them on, but it still doesn't replicate. Yeah, that was a weird process. Yeah, but I remember I tried it on the 400s and then I was like, oh, too big. And he was like, no, get the 400. And I was like, no, too big. So Mm -hmm. I tried on the 375 and I was like, I like this. And he's like, nah, I think you should go a bit bigger because they try to get you to go bigger. Yeah. And I was like. Probably because they know that people say, damn, I should have gone bigger. Mm. That's true. And then I so I met him in the middle and got 375. Yeah, yeah. It's cool how they can do it on the computer. So they take yes. a photo of you before um, mm. and then they type the number in and it just goes, Broom! and then you can see what you'd look like on the on the computer screen. Technology is yeah. nuts these days. It's wild. But yeah. getting back to the training side of things, so mm. I had like probably, I don't know, 12 weeks off training upper body completely. And then when I got back into it, um, I just took it really slow mm. because it, really not a whole lot of information out there even from the surgeons to be completely honest about like fitness and training and how that should look different it's also going to depend on your surgeon the post-op um, uh, sort of recovery plan yeah. that they give you. Some sort of going to tell you not to train chest at all. That's their bias. That's their opinion. That's what they think is um, correct. Some mm. surgeons will be um, like, I guess, encouraging that. And it's really important that you find someone that aligns with whatever you want. If you, if yeah. you're, 
an athlete, like you're not going to go with the surgeon who tells you not to train. Find one who um, operates in a way or like practices in a way that aligns with those core values. That's yeah. definitely what we did. Um, mm-hmm. We actually had the same surgeon as well. So oh, yeah. uh, when I started getting back into training, like I started with like isolated movements for like delts and mm. rowing, rear delt sort of stuff. Um, it took me, I don't, I reckon I took probably six months to get back into actual chest work though. Okay. Yeah. I, from what I recall, I spent probably about six weeks not training any weights. Mm. Um, so yeah, you go for a light walk, you do band work and that's fine. Definitely mm. move the upper body because just yeah. like any surgery, we will mold into the position. I remember getting a sore back just because yes. like everything was forward. So I would um, kind of grab my pec and then just like rotate my arm just yeah. to loosen it off a bit. Um, went into sort of leg extension work because you can't get the heart rate up too much. That's yeah. what they say. Um, and then, yeah, slowly adding arms. I think I was around the eight-week mark. I did some some arm work, and that was the best. But because oh. you and I have a training history, we recovered we better. Like it wasn't a new thing. Again, just like yep. any surgery, like what you were saying earlier, you're going to have surgeons that think training is just not good or, or medical practitioners. Um, so it is best to find someone that does align with that. Mm. You know, whether you have your boobs done, whether you've herniated a disc, you can still get people who say, nah, stop training, stop training. Yeah. So always get a second opinion as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And just elaborating on that as well, like a lot of people say, oh, yeah, but I'll just like next week I'll go train legs. Like what you said there, Danny, the point isn't actually, oh, you may not be directly training the, the pec muscle. It's about your heart rate. Yes. So if you bring your heart rate and your blood pressure up too much, you could be potentially rupture the suture site because the pressure is going to go into your chest there. So mm-hmm. it's really important that you actually take recovery so serious regardless yeah. of what surgical procedure is. It's yeah. not just about like, oh, I won't train the chest because our body doesn't move like in isolation with muscle groups either. So yeah. definitely um, make sure you do your research and find a practitioner who um, is aligns with your values and lifestyle. Yeah, I remember I, I I get so, although I was so cruisy with the operation, I get so paranoid after, or I used to with things. I remember I had some bruising on the side and I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, like something happened in my sleep. Like I thought yeah. like I just ruptured something. Of course, yeah. Dr. Google, I was Googling oh, bruising no. after breast implants and that really like oh, don't do me that. into it. Oh, fuck. I yeah. don't know why it did, but because I was a little bit casual and then that happened, which was so yeah. normal, but it's, it scared me into place. And I'm like, no, yeah. we need to respect our body. We've done like major surgery. The time will come back. We'll be back in the gym. So yeah, just treat it with respect. Mm. Just like any surgery, it's not about how fast you can recover. It's about how mm. well you recover. Yeah. hundred mm. percent. Um, I took my own sutures out. <laughs> Oh my God, man, you're crazy. <laughs> but I used to do it all the time at work for stuff. How did so you know just... it was ready? Oh, you would, I suppose. I asked him. Oh, good. I like, can I, what, can, can I... I take him out? Yeah, can okay. I do it myself? Yeah, because he was going to, I was going to have to go back to Melbourne to get it done. And I was, wasn't living in Melbourne at the time. What did he um, say? He was like, yeah, go for it. Oh. He was great. But again, find someone who aligns a few values. Did, did he say, do you know how to do it? Did yeah, he say, look, yeah. I do he, it? He was okay, a surgical yeah. nurse. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's all right then. I had the wow. mirror underneath. It was oh. great. Did you feel it come out or? Uh, 
no, not really, because it was so numb still for ages. That's right, because you're not meant to, like, hair dry yourself naked because you could burn yourself. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> no. That was, yeah, yeah. Oh, all these flashbacks. Yeah, I couldn't feel my nipple for, like, six months. Yeah. Mine, I swear mine only just came back, but I can't Danny's feel grabbing underneath. her nipple for those people. That <laughs> well, this will be on the Zoom, I suppose. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> it is what it is, but the feeling's yeah. definitely there, so that's yeah. good. Um, but that can happen too. So, mm. anyways, we'll move on from that yeah, one. Yeah, that can be a whole another episode. <laughs> I feel like that day. has been one. That is. Um, time to wrap it up. Jeez. All right. Next. <laughs> so Brianna's asked um, thoughts on reducing carb intake on rest days, mm. whether in a deficit or maintenance. Yeah, I um I reduce yeah carbs on rest day. Oh no, I have high carbs on leg days because I'm starving. Um, and then on my lower body on rest days, they're the same, and they've been like that for a very long time. But yeah. if I had like a lunch or a, or a big event on um, a rest day, I would swap that around. So I would have the higher calories on the rest day. So it really just yeah. depends what I do, what I'm doing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about I'm you? I'm in two minds about it. Yeah. I think it doesn't matter when you're at maintenance, to be fair. I feel yep. like when you're at maintenance, it doesn't matter. If you're pushing in a surplus, you'll usually be able to probably increase your carbohydrate tolerance if you do do that mm-hmm. um, because you might find yourself, especially if you've got a sedentary job, like you're just not mm. hungry. Mm. Um, when you're moving more, you might be able to push it. But in a deficit, I think it's got its benefits um, because that's really just – like nutrition petitioning, like putting your carbohydrates around your workouts. You know, like I said, I think it also depends on the the person. So for me, I like it in deficits from a compliance standpoint. Um, What do you mean? Like carb cycling, like having higher days. Um, Yeah. So you, so you on your rest day in a deficit, sorry, do you have higher or lower carbs on a rest day? No, lower. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, but like it's such, I feel like it's such a small, small thing. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's got huge benefits, if that makes sense. I think it's going to depend like mostly on the person. Like if someone was carb cycling versus someone that's not, Mm. then I don't think that the difference would be that significant in my opinion. Um, yeah. Again, it's going to depend on the per- the person as well. But also on your rest days, like your body's still recovering from the sessions mm. like prior. Mm. So I would, if the carbs are like, I wouldn't be like, you know, 50 grams of carbs on your rest days and really try to like, you know, bump them up on your training days. I like to keep things mostly consistent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it just depends on personal preference too. Yeah. Mentally for me, when I'm like in a deficit, if mm. I know I have a high carb day, like it motivates me to just smash legs. Like, yeah. I'm like it's okay. You know, you've got high carbs or I'd have a big yeah. bowl of oats or something and then just yeah. get my ass to the gym. Like it, it really helps me um, get in that mindset Whereas on rest days, if I'm not moving as much, I feel more sluggish and sleepy if I eat Mm. more. I don't like that. I like being able to eat more, go train the house down and then just rest after. Yeah, It helps me when in a deficit. Yeah. Do you Mm. get really hungry on rest days? I remember we spoke about this and and I don't. Mm. Um, I get even now, like if I have a rest day, I'm nowhere near as hungry as when I train, which you're the opposite, yin and yang, right? I'm famished on rest days and I know a lot of other people sort of experience a similar thing. And when I was like, why, 
Mm. Am I just so hung? I was like, is it because there's a good chunk of my day where I'm not doing anything? Is it boredom? Mm-hmm. Like, is it? But then even when I'd be working or whatever, like it wasn't that. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not that. I'm I'm genuinely physiologically hungry. Yeah. Like, and so I was doing like some reading and I put it on my Instagram and a few people were responding to me about the, um that like when you're relaxed, when your body's not in that fight or flight, obviously mm. you're going to be in your rest and digest. So rest and digest, your body's going to be churning through food more easily, going to be digesting yep quicker um and therefore your appetite can also increase when you're in that recovery mode and then Mm. that led me to think it's like well you probably wouldn't want to drop your calories too much on a rest day then like if you are in that that sort of resting digesting like parasympathetic recovery state so yeah you'd benefit probably more than from from higher calorie would you try that you think or like have higher calories on rest days or like for my um last prep my refeeds were always, or my diet breaks were always over rest days. So yeah, like okay. replenishing the, like your glycogen stores mm. without just burning it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for the actual purpose of a, of a refeed diet break. So like yeah. I said, I think there's benefits for both and there's purposes for both and you can mm. make the argument for both. And even when like I have um, clients going through deficits and maintenance and surplus, um, it's all different. Like I have mm. some clients who just love our regimented same macros every day and yeah. that's fine. That's what works for them. I have others who psychologically need um, refeeds as well, like having yep. sort of a five low to high. And I also have people that um, get super hungry on training days. So yeah. then I'm like, okay, four high days, mm-hmm. you know, a couple low days on your rest days and they find that works. So that's why I'm like in a couple of minds about it to be like, well, it sort of depends on the perp on it the depends. person and your training. Yeah. Um, I also find that people with a higher training age, a higher muscle mass, a higher um, intensity can usually tolerate those higher carbs as well. Mm. So if you're someone who's going through an injury or like you're, you know, you've only just got into the gym, so you can't actually generate that power and intensity and strength yet, Mm. it might, like carb cycling is probably not appropriate for someone like that, you know. So I think it just depends. (laughs) It depends as always. It also depends on your stress levels. Like if you're going through a lot, you're really busy at work and all of that, just keep things consistent. Same meals, just hit the numbers, become robotic with that and then worry about the other things that are stressing you out. So case by case. Yeah. Get the Mm. most out of the easiest things is like what I always say, like, you know, you don't have to stress yourself out with like Mm. high, like complex strategies and rest day protocols and all these sorts of things, low hanging fruit. Yep. Sweet. All right. D fit coach. Why do you think leg extensions get a bad rep, especially for people who have knee and patella issues? Mm. I think this could be any um, machine as well that you don't sort of, I, I think leg extensions are great. I was so about to say, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, I think I that's an old school mentality. Old, yeah. I remember my dad used to be like, nah, I'll be careful, <laughs> yeah. you know, leg extension's yeah. not good for your knees. But I'm yeah. like, now if someone has patella tendonitis, I get them on yeah. the leg, um, on the leg extension. extension. Yeah. yeah, holding isometric holds. I think yeah. they're great. Yeah. yeah. I do know why I thought because I highlighted this and I was like, mm. what is the bad rep here? And um, for those who don't know, I used to love reading like old bodies, um, bodybuilding magazines and all oh, that good. sort of stuff. I used to love the old school books where it would be like bro science with absolutely no research behind it. Just yeah, like, this yeah. is the way it is. I've, yep. I've got this 
this um, book from Arnold. It's like the bodybuilding encyclopedia. Oh and yeah, but like it's got like just a diet plan in there, like just food, but no ma- <laughs> no macros or anything, no calories. It's like huge plan. Yes. Anyone can be, it's so funny. It's like six eggs <laughs> for breakfast and spinach. Oh um, my God. But I remember reading about the leg extension, them sort of talking about um, a leg extension, the actual movement isn't replicated as much in real life as say a squat. Mm-hmm. Like when, when do we ever really load that movement with super high tension mm. um, or force? And the only thing I can think of is obviously like football players kicking things, balls and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I could see it like from that perspective, because when are you ever like fixed in a machine, stabilized and then moving a hell of a lot of load in that movement plane. Mm. But again like it's the only really way that you can train the quads in the shortest range of motion yeah um, when the muscles really tightly contract versus when they're lengthened with like a barbell squat for example so yeah. i think um, a leg extension is a great exercise because it's incredibly safe um mm. low entry point like if people are getting knee pain on a leg extension, like there's something else going on. Yeah, it's not the leg extension. Their knee's just aggravated to the point that that action, they could be doing it in the air and it would hurt. So then we take them off the machine and go, okay, what's happening at your hips or your ankle? Mm. Like why is your knee hurting? Address that and then get them back on. That's like Mm. any machine though. Like if you're doing something and it's hurting, okay, it's not the actual exercise. Um, It's just the movement pattern. Yeah, mm. I love it. Um, mm. What was I going to say? Also, yeah, I I think for bodybuilders, leg extension's great, but for office workers or people who are sitting down a lot, I wouldn't give leg extension. Like there's no point giving um, exercises where you're sitting down again, mm. like for office workers and all that. But again, case by case, work out who needs that exercise and who doesn't. But I think mm. it's really cool. Play around with the angle of your feet turn them out, turn them in, hit different areas of the quad. I love a burn on a leg extension. I bet you wouldn't have been able to do that for ages though because your quads are the gods. When was the last time you ever was on the leg extension? I still sprinkle them in just because, um, again, it's the only, one of the only exercises that you can train the quads in the shortest position. Yep. And even I used to be in the trap of being like, oh, quads are really developed, shouldn't train them and mm. shouldn't strengthen them. And that led them to actually be weak. And that led like core compression and other movements where mm. I need to be strong to also be weak. So I still do sprinkle in leg extension. I mostly do like single leg Yep, single leg yeah. leg extension. I really like that. One leg up um, really helps with like the way um, like your hips as well as females. Mm. Sometimes the leg extensions can be quite narrow and if you've got wider hips, it's uncomfortable. I actually yep. find that and I don't have big hips. I've got quite narrow hips, but I still find angling slightly and putting one leg up really super comfortable, a bit more of a turned out foot. Um, so I still sprinkle them in, but I just, again, like chest, don't train it. It's more just a keep strong, functional, accessory movement. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Well said. Um, um, all right. Let's, are you next? No, you're up. B.Lair P2. Blair P2. When you talk about training to failure, do you go beyond your set and rep range? Um, personally, I don't. Oh, I don't always train to failure, to be honest, unless it's on like, yeah, the machines that we we're just talking about, like leg extension, hamstring curls. And we have spoken about this before. Anytime that it's actually safe, train to failure, but um, try and stick within your rep ranges too, because 
you're not going to get anywhere if you take most of your exercises to failure without counting. Yeah. So stick to your plan, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I I I do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but not all I, the time. I do. Yeah. I think I sometimes when I'm going to failure, I'm usually not on my own. Like I normally have a training partner with me and I normally do it for get the gram. Out. Yeah, for the gram, mate. But gram. I normally get out well like a lot more reps than what my rep range would be and to me I'm like well I'm not gonna if I'm actually having a push week like the end of a mesocycle and I'm like yeah I feel good like movements are great I'm on mm. safe piece of equipment if I'm having a push week like I'm training for stimulus and yeah if that stimulus is like to reach failure points on those movements I'm not just going to stop at 10 because um, it says it yeah <laughs> yeah it depends and to be fair as well I feel like I've earned that right over mm. a year of training to know this yeah um, people don't, a lot of people if you're new to training you're not going to know your failure points I didn't for years mm, like you're mm. not going to know what failure feels like um and you or, won't be able to recover well from it and you just you don't need yourself. to you don't need to for the first few years of training as well yeah like any stimulus is going to be more than enough um yeah. for me i've been absolutely hammering hamstrings for a while because that's yeah, a nice. point that i wanted to bring up so yeah like i i'm happily push my seated leg curls to failure if they if they're feeling good and if i had a rep range of like you know 10 to 12 like and i was failing on sort of 15 then i'd still push those few extra reps so Again, it just depends. It also highly depends on your um, your actual training goal. So if you're training yeah. for strength, well, then, like, you probably don't need to be pushing to failure. You probably shouldn't be. If no. you're training for hypertrophy, then you do need to be reaching failure points um, uh, to some extent throughout mesocycles unless you're a complete newbie. Yeah, because um, we've been doing this for so long that if, for example, I'm in, yeah, like 10 to 12, I would know the weight that is required for my 10th to 12th rep to be failure anyway. So yes. you can, rather than going to 15, for example, just to use the mm. same numbers as what you did, you can up the weight a little bit and then you'd be able to only get out 10 to 12. Mm. Like, yeah, so you can do it that way. You can go over the rep range or you can put the weight up so then your failure point is within your designated rep range um, for yeah. hypertrophy. But then, yeah, for your squats, deadlifts and bench, it's not wise to always do like a 1RM type weight because you'll not recover. You will, like your CNS will be cooked and then the following week you're not mm. going to be able to progress as well. So to actually yeah. hit, for example, people who want to squat 100, you don't start the training plan at like 90. You need to have a week where you go like up mm. slow in increments oh, and then peak at that number there mm -hmm. so it's different depending on your goal yeah the goal is going to change that but I definitely mm. don't go beyond my sets I might like there yeah. might be throughout the mesocycles I might have to um, use more warm-up sets so mm. this is something I'm really big on is like you know is it a warm-up set or is it a working set because mm. um, for a lot of people like they don't realize the difference and there might be an exercise where I've got three sets and I read that as three working sets it might take me 
four warm-up sets to get yeah. to that working set weight. And for um, people in their first, you know, year or so of training, that's not going to be the case. Your working mm-hmm. sets are probably going to be warm-up set weight, to be fair. Like yep. you, you might be using the bar, for example. How do you warm up before that? You don't. So um, for us, it's going to look very different. And like, for example, the glute drive, Danny, friggin' hell, it takes me mm-hmm. like 40 minutes to get through that as an A-series because yep. I need four or five warm-up sets to get to the five plates or whatever. And then I'm like, this is set one. But yeah. those previous sets count as volume, mm-hmm. but they don't really count as stimulus because the load is a lot less. The tension yep. across the muscle is a lot less and it's actually not contributing to hypertrophy. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah, or strength, really. I mean, yeah. before, you know, the, yeah, the glute drive or a big compound lift, it takes me 40 minutes to get to the um, to the working set. So if you do a set and you're like, oh, I could probably put like another 10, 20 kilos on, then that's not your working set yet. You need to go to where you hit that, um, like you know that that's the heaviest you can go for that amount of reps and now we start counting. Doesn't matter what you did before. Yeah, It's hard, but you have a hard conversation with yourself where you're like, was that a warm-up set? Was that a working set? And if you ask yourself that question, you damn know it's a warm-up set. (laughs) Yeah. If you have to think about it, you've, yeah, you've cheated yourself. Even with like the difference between 12 and a half kilo dumbbells for 10 kilos. If you did 10 kilo dumbbells on something, you're like, fuck, yeah, I could go 12 and a half. Then 12 and a half is your working set. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's when your training really changes though. For a lot of people, oh, yeah. like when you actually start, um, and I get all my clients to write their um, their warm up sets and then their working set weights. Yeah, good. So if they're like, "Then nah, didn't feel good," I'm like, well, "What was your warm ups? Mm-hmm. Was it the same as last week? Like, let's have a look because they yeah. need to be just the same. They we need to be like tracking both. Once you get mm. to that intermediate level with training, mm. this is how you level up. Planning. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Oh, just slid that one in. Fantastic. Um, Vy fit. Have you worked with many women who have experienced hypothalamic amenorrhea? Mm, well, I helpful. was one of those people. Was I? Is that I was one of those people? Yeah, I was. I was. Like I were one of those people. <laughs> I were one of those people. Oh no, we're fading. Well, we are recording. It's nearly four p.m. We're past our threshold, and that's my yeah. fault. Um, <laughs> but have you worked with many? So I've had a lot of clients actually get their period back. But I'm not going to take full credit because I don't spe- I don't provide nutrition advice um, in my coaching, just programming and, and all of that. Um, but the less is more approach works well. So a lot of the time I get people who are training seven days a week, twice a day, and then they come to my programming and learn how to respect their body and their training. And then their period actually comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So that's my experience with it. So yeah, not much. Yeah. And like, I'm the same. I, I attract a lot of females that do have, um, I guess, reproductive um, Your goals. Board. Yeah. <laughs> Goals. Reproductive um, goals <laughs> or concerns or mm. diseases or like, you know, symptoms and things like that. Um, and like I would say like I've only ever I've only had one client currently who we're still trying to work on getting her cycle back, but all yep. of them get their cycle back just good. from good nutrition and good training. And I always say to them, look, I am no I'm not an expert in this, but yeah. I can tell you right now, if you're doing all of these things and eating like that, like, you know, you 
it's no surprise to me if you don't have a cycle eating this low and doing this much training. Like, yep. So I'm like, let's restore health yep. um, and the body should follow. It's just, and you'll be able to resonate with this, Danny. It's a time thing as well. And it's like, you've got to give your body time, right? Mm. You've got to give your body time and it's going to take a minimum of three to six months to start getting any sort of like signs and symptoms that things are starting to wake up. Yep. Some people are really receptive to just increasing calories back up to that sort of 30 to 45, you know, calories per kilo, sort of getting them up into that range. Mm-hmm. They'll start to get discharge again and things will start to yeah. wake up. They'll start to feel like something's happening down there. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, reducing training volume, which is a stress, right? Mm-hmm. And then I like looking at sleep, looking at stress management, all those other sorts of things of need course. to come into consideration as well. It's not just about what you do in the gym and what you eat. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's it's just usually a matter of time. But I am so surprised about when you do restore health that you don't need a whole lot of other intervention for majority of people. And there's going to be, of course, people that do need to seek out naturopathic care and, and yeah. obviously go, go get things ruled out, like what we always talk about, going to have mm. ultrasounds to make sure nothing get it ruled else is out. going on, getting bloods done, like yeah. having the base work done so you know what you're working with. If all that comes back clear, and they're like, oh, no, just go on the pill. You know, you want oh, to fuck. walk out of the office and go, okay. <laughs> walk out that office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get it ruled out. Ignore mm. their, their advice to go back on the pill. <laughs> and then give yep. it time. Do your yep. own interventions. And dare I say, you don't drink out of plastic, but I've got a Mount Franklin bottle here because I lost my Voss bottle. Yeah, we've both, because we're on, we're away. We're out of our natural environment. Yep. Excuses. Bullshit. Yep. I call bullshit on myself. I'm going to go get a Voss bottle after this. Um <laughs> What am I saying? Oh, yeah. And then if you live a crazy life, like I needed supplements and and yeah. some things from Gab who were actually going to get back on. But we had a Zoom meeting yesterday and now I'm getting completely different advice. Now she's warning me that I'm so damn fertile that I need to be very careful, which I'm excited to hear, but also not excited to hear. But um, <laughs> it's just crazy how like the work with her, I went from like having crickets down there and tumbleweeds yeah. um, to then now yeah. it's like, bang, we're on, you're super fertile now. And, but it's great. Yeah. 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 But it's been the long road for you, Danny. And I think as well, yeah. like it's really important to understand that it's not like I think you hear all the, actually, I want to, I want to say you hear the bad stories as well. You hear that it's going to take 12, 24 months, right? It's going to take a long time, but there's also a large um, proportion portion of people that it does come back when you just restore health. Mm. It doesn't need extreme measures. Have you just tried increasing your calories and actually done it for a good period of time? Don't just increase for a couple of weeks and be like, Oh, I feel fluffy. Now I'm going to cut calories back down to what's comfortable. Have you sat there for six months and i say to people like if you've had any like like irregular cycles and you've got a history of that you need to be more conservative with deficits you need to spend more time of the year at maintenance and dabble into surpluses Mm. you need to be looking at your sleep and your stress management like you have Mm. other considerations it's just like if you've had an injury right danny like it's something to be always be mindful of in the background when you're looking at your own training Yeah. And I think actually paying attention to that area of your body and trying to track and take note and really connect. I don't know if it sounds a bit airy fairy, but to actually have your mind connected to, to your reproductive organs. I think that's a really powerful thing because for so long I was kind of not thinking about it, Mm -hmm. but then when I actually paid attention and tapped into it, you know, it just, you feel more connected. And then I don't know, I reckon something goes internal there from your mind to 
and to your yeah and it's it's so empowering as a woman as well to be able to tap into that yeah Mm. well when you think about it our hypothalamus is like it speaks to our ovaries Mm. like it's not there's a connection there hormonally as well so yeah it's what our hypothalamus is what tells our ovaries to start releasing hormones so i don't think that's airy fairy at all Mm. and i also think like when i was on contraception there was nothing going on inside my uterus ovaries nothing i Mm. never feel cramped i don't even know there was nothing Mm. whereas now it's actually so nice to be like i can feel i'm ovulating i can feel i'm about to get my period i'm getting discharged like it's not filthy. It's not gross. It's normal. Mm. We should be able to connect with that area of our body. And we should be able to, like, every time I go and see Abby, she goes, what day your cycle you're at? And I'm like, 16. You know, we as females That's should good. be able to do that. Mm. We should be able to name where we are in our cycle, what's going on, how we're feeling mentally, yep. physically, emotionally. Like, yep. it's super important. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I can't wait to do another episode on that. It'll be good. It'll be a mm. juicy one. Yeah. Um, all right, next. You're up, I think. Is this the last one? It is. So, Kate, how do you deal with uneven levels of body fat in the upper and lower body? Um, And any tips for when your upper body responds much quicker than your lower body? Yeah. Well, it's hormonal. Like for women, naturally, we have more testosterone and androgen receptors in our upper body. Um, so even like traps, that's why it's so easy to develop traps and mm-hmm. arms, uh, just because of that. So I, I feel like most people, you know, lean up in their upper body first rather than lower body. And it comes down yeah. to reproduction, you know, as women, we need some cushioning and, and, um, you know, some more padding around those areas to have a baby. Um, mm-hmm. how do you deal with it? A know that it's normal, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and realize that, yeah, like, well, you have to get to a significantly low amount of body fat to be able to get rid of that last little pocket around your stomach or under mm-hmm. your um, glutes and things like that. Just naturally as a woman, it's normal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the the reason why we have such a difference in body fat comes down to hormonal profiles. Mm-hmm. The the body fat that we like that sort of makes us hold it around our thighs and our glutes and our hips is from estrogen as well. So mm-hmm. the same as triceps, like these are high hormonal mm-hmm. areas. And this is why we hold body fat in those areas is because of hormones. So yeah. what is normal and then what is like estrogen dominance are going to be two separate things. So they're mm-hmm. things to sort of consider as well. But as you said, Danny, it's so normal to have more body fat in our lower um, in our lower body for that reason. And whenever you go through a dieting phase as well, you're always going to lose it um, up the top, like what we spoke yeah. about. Um, fat tissue around our, our breasts. Yeah. My back gets lean so quickly. How good is um, it? And, oh, my back gets diced. Like it's already. I have my pinches done at the moment. Oh, um, really? I get them done sort of every fortnight. My back is already like lean, yeah, and I'm yeah. like. But the thing is, is like when you're dieting, that's just going to get leaner and leaner and leaner. It takes my legs and my thighs a lot longer. Yeah. And I think like if when you see people with cuts in their legs, like girls have to do some pretty incredible freaking shit to get mm. those diced legs. It's not nice. There are people yeah. out there who take like estrogen blockers to do this sort oh, of yeah. stuff. So, Having, Depends like, what you're what? comparing it to, what physique you're looking at. If you, if you have full striations in your quads, hamstrings and glutes, 
it's, it would be hard for a natural athlete to get <laughs> I was about to say, go on, say it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, and, like, we know this is competitors, like people getting into yeah. fitness, you got to really grind to get yeah. that definition, and it's the last six weeks. It's not like you don't walk around like that for the whole freaking prep. Mm. Um, and then you so have I one think, meal after and it's gone. Yeah, yeah, and, like, inflammation, training, right, like yeah. all those. Oh, yeah really does make a big difference um for example i trained biceps and i'm uh, not biceps triceps and I, oh, yeah. I don't know what the hell oh, i never train arms um <laughs> but i trained triceps and um i had pinches done the next day and my triceps were holding like so much more fluid than what mm. they were and i was like i'll just get them done again next week and see what happens and they come down and again that's yep. again to just inflammation so you've got to remember like every time you're training um but just to get back onto that, yes, as females, we're going to have more lower body fat. It's fucking normal and yeah. we should celebrate it. Yeah. Like I don't know why, I don't know why we sort of feel like, like we have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, slowly, you know, social norms are changing or, you know, um, it is what it is, but um, definitely it is normal. that We, we need to normalise that. And yeah. I suppose it's not normal to be super diced all the time and lean. No. Um, no. But for the yeah. sport, cool, that's our goal, but it doesn't last long. And as you said, there are so many variables. Like that's why in peak week you're not meant to train legs close to the show mm. or even um, you're not meant to go for many walks bef- just like the leading up to your show as well. And even backstage, some people lie down with their legs in the air like yeah Yeah. oh god I'm just remembering all these things like I'm excited but also don't want to do it it's it's I'm in that weird phase um but yeah it's definitely normal um I know a lot of competitors I remember in IMBA some of the girls would come in so lean that they weren't allowed to flex their back because it didn't fit in the criteria like you have to like they ended up being so lean and I'm like oh that would suck but it's always the upper body that comes in first yeah. And even um, I remember Pauline, who's one of the um, judges and, you know, one of the main head judges for the yeah. WBFF at one of the posing workshops, someone asked, how lean do I need to be for bikini or whatever it was? I can't remember mm, what category, mm. but she said, as lean um, as lean as you need to get for your legs to come into conditioning. So when you're oh, yeah. trying to get lean, your bot- upper body is going to get shredded. It will mm, because mm. to get any sort of definition in your lower body, you Usually your upper body will lose all the fat first yeah. um, and then you'll start losing from your lower body and lower abdomen in those higher estrogen sort of reproductive areas per se. And yeah. this is going to look different for everyone. Like I have um, sort of like, you know, I have like a quad sweep all year round, mm. but I don't have like split quads or like mm. hamstrings. Like I carry more of my weight on my hamstrings and my the front of my thighs. So how you carry body mm. fat is going to be different and some people might have to get leaner than others to show yeah. that definitely as well that's just part of it that's genetics yeah. um and you've got you know you just manage the card that you've been dealt with yeah for me if I get a good night's sleep and I'm not stressed oh, yeah. or for all of us not just for me for everyone stress holds so much fluid like mm. you you if you're not stressed and you sleep well you're so much leaner that's what I learned too and that came into the whole minimizing things mm. um, and getting good sleep like that made mm. a big difference but for me I lose it off my stomach it comes off my stomach really easily but it also comes back on there really easily the last mm. spot for me is yeah like around my bum yeah 
Yeah, I yeah. think that is for everyone. Some um, people are stomach last. I'm I'm stomach last. Um, oh, I there feel you go. like. I feel like upper. I get leaner upper, and then yeah, they come in the top two, then the next, then the, oh, you're like oh, I get this sick vein. I suppose I, yeah, that I haven't seen in a very long time, like right across my whole abs. <laughs> That's how I know I'm coming yeah. in. I'm like oh, the veins there. All right, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those little veins that you get to know. Oh, and some people guys. have some sick veins. Like girl, I love veins on girls. I don't know why. Because I, I just some respect it. it. Yeah. I just respect it. I'm like. You've been working really hard. Like, good <laughs> on you. <laughs> I see that vein pop through. I see it. <laughs> but I, I also, like, there's part of me as well, and sometimes I get this internal tug where I'm, like, promoting this one thing where it's, like, fucking love yourself, like, love mm. your lower body. And then I am also mindful that we compete. And I just, yeah. I really want to be, like, you know, what we do is for a sport. And even though we sit here and we've got so much excitement and passion and I feel mm. like a big part of that, Danny, is like we just love the process and yep. the training and the discipline and the creativity that comes from it and just like upping yourself every time, like that yep. improvement progression sort of sense of satisfaction. Yep. Um, and it's really for us got nothing to do with body image. And that's the no, difference. No, not anymore like, anyway. Yeah, like you're like, oh, yeah, the the veins coming in. I've been like what I'm doing is working on a one yeah, point. You're not like I love myself more because this ab is here. Correct. You know, and I think really important to distinguish that because when we're sort of saying like, like how do we deal with this, you know, I, I appreciate my body all year round and I think it's important that everyone does. Yeah, and it takes – I love that you brought that up actually and highlighted it in that way because it is so important. But I've learned to love – my body so much that now I'm like resistant to to diet again yeah. because we know what's in. So I use the vein and, and all that as landmarks of my progress, just another thing to track and measure. All right, I'm coming in leaner now, mm. keep going. All right, now I can add a little bit of this or, you know, change my nutrition and all of that. But I, I'm so happy now with being a bit chunkier. you got energy. Yeah. Like, all right, if someone brings something into work and you can have a little mm. nibble on it, like just little things like that. I, yeah you've got to love your body all year round and easier said than done it takes mm. a lot of work but mm. just enjoy whatever phase you're in yeah absolutely they're just all phases they come in seasons and one isn't yeah. better than the other like mm. you know I think when you go through it, it takes it going through extremes to realize oh like yes you know, I'm actually not happier like this we've we've both God. come to that realization like being absolutely shredded and being like is this what it's about is this what I have to do and you can just you just know that people that maintain that sort of level of leanness they are compromising other areas yeah like of their life and maybe that's worth it for them it's not for Mm. me you know what I mean like I love Mm. being able to go out for dinners and go out for breakfast with Luke and spend time with family and not obsess over certain things 365 yeah yes it's gonna come like a time where we do where I'm like nope like things are going to come second and yep. this is incredibly hard because like I'm going to have I'm in a wedding where my best friend's getting married two weeks before the show you oh know? in so October in October and I'm um like a bridesmaid and uh, you know th- there's certain things I'm like planning for this now so I'm yeah. freaking ready so yeah. I can enjoy myself yeah you know so it's really important that you understand um that it does come with such a level of sacrifice but it it's you know, for some people, it's not worth it. For majority of people, it's not. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like for majority of people competing is not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like we're the kind of person that no matter what situation we're in, we can find the benefits of it. Like, like, which it's so important and I love that. It doesn't mean we be naive and say, oh, we never have bad days. But we have that growth mindset of looking for the benefits of, of any situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so time and a place and, yeah, just really think, okay, is this the right time to do a prep now? I will have to compromise things, work out the reasons why you actually want to do it as well that yeah. don't just involve body image because that's very yeah. short-lived cool I might meet people along the way or it might help my yeah. career or I get to stick to a goal or start my mindset get it stronger there's so much yeah. more into it so yeah because yeah. we are 29 weeks out oh she's dropped it her is counting clearly not Danny 29 because weeks. the wedding is in 27 weeks and like yeah. I said I'm ready before and um, you know what yeah if you um hit it a little bit harder just a couple of weeks before the wedding you'll be able to have that day yeah 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 it won't two weeks is actually good if it was one week oh nah yeah but two weeks yeah. that'd be yeah. good yeah. okay 29 weeks I reckon going to the show <laughs> and watching it I'm gonna turn into a little happy bunny Same. and be like cannot wait like, and we get to stay in a hotel night. together. I know. I'm we can do a podcast in person. We'll do a podcast yeah. in person yeah. on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see the wellness category because that's the one that I'm hoping to do. So yeah. I. And that's good. Yeah, I'm excited to see it in person because if you if you like intend on competing, I really do encourage that you go and watch a show. Oh, I know yeah. we did that first time. It gave me a lot of comfort to think mm-hmm. that I could do it because, again, like Instagram shows the high reel. And you watch the world champions on Instagram, and it's like, oh, that's not me. And then you get there, and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's normal competitors. Like, yeah. yeah, they don't show all the other people at the back. And I think yeah. it's really important that it's like you see that, you yeah. know, because I was like, I'll never fit up there. I'll never look like that, you know, and and that can be, of course you think that. We sat right at the back. I remember our first show, we were like looking, I was fangirling everyone and, yeah, oh, I'm so excited. I've had, it's as if I've had so many mixed emotions on this episode. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. Then we talk about like, no, I really want to do it. I'll leave it. I really want to do it now again. (laughs) We've locked it in anyways. Lock it in, Eddie. Yeah. Lock it in. All righty. I reckon, all right. I reckon that's all the questions <laughs> that we'll go through today. We've definitely rambled on. Um, yeah. But we'll definitely get through the rest of the questions in another episode. So yeah. thank you for sending those through. And again, if you did enjoy this episode, make sure you take a screenshot, tag myself, tag Danielle, and of course, the Level Up podcast. Thanks, everyone.